I'm not going to let Rhonda Burton ever have that microphone again. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'd like to pick on her a little bit. Before I get into my text this morning, I want to take just a pause in the service, just take a few moments out of the service. We've got some brothers and sisters that are in dire jeopardy over in Afghanistan. And I want to tell you, it is our, our commission to pray for our brothers and sisters. We have no idea the world's been rocked. They're being tortured and being faced with death and beheading and all kinds of things are happening over there as a result of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want us to pause for a moment and I want us to pray. Brother Joseph, would you come up here for a minute, please? I'm going to have Brother Joseph take just a couple of minutes. We're not going to do this long unless the Lord begin to move or something. But I want Brother Joseph to pray over the Afghanistan, Afghanistan people. And I want you to be praying and pray for that nation and pray not only for the believers there, but even the unbelievers that are being so ravished. Uh, it's a tragedy as what's went on. It's, it's a disgrace. And uh, we want to pray for that nation. Would you pray with me, please? We are praying, but I need you to help me in prayer because the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous avail it much. And so I want you to join me. All of us are praying together. I want you to open your mouth and begin to pray. Tell God to do something. I want you to tell God to do something. Just say, God, come and do that only you can do. I want you to begin to open your mouth right now. Begin to open your mouth and pray. Let us pray. Because the Bible says that when Peter was arrested, the king had waited for the Passover to come and then he would bring him out and then behead him. But the Bible says that but the church prayed. And when the church did pray, something happened. The angels of the Lord went and visited him. They brought him out of the prison. And no, I know that when we pray, when we begin to pray, when we begin to open our mouth this morning, God is going to do something. The angels of the Lord is going to do something. So let us open our mouth and pray right now. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. Say something. Say something. Mandarabo Sikababa. Lebrahan Telebo Sikabayan Talabo Sikababa. Rebada Sikandoliviando Sikabahantaya. Le Papalabo Sikadebesiantaya. Father, we come to you this morning, O oh Lord. We are calling on your name, Yahweh. We are calling on your name, Jesus. We are calling on your name, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, at this moment, uh, it is only you that can do this. Uh, that is why we have come to you this morning. Uh, that, Father, may you intervene, O oh God. Uh, may you arise, O oh God. Uh, for we know that when you arise, uh, all our enemies will flee. We know that when you begin to shake, uh, when you begin to move, uh, there is going to be a miracle. Uh, so, Father, we pray committing our dear brothers in Afghanistan to you. Lord, may you do something today. Mandarabo shikabahantaya. Lebra kabalabo shikebedebo. Mantayarabo shikayantaya. We believe, oh God, that you can do it. We believe that you can do it. We believe that you can do it. Mahatayaha. 
Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we praise you for our brothers and sisters, God. We ask you to touch them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Indeed, you are God. Indeed, you are God. We believe in you. Just as the Bible says, that you are the light that shines in the darkness that the darkness could never extinguish. And so, Father, we know that at this moment, every darkness in Afghanistan is being, oh God, extinguished right now. We know that anything that the devil is doing, oh Lord, you are bringing it down to a stop, oh God. Father, we believe in you, oh God. And that as you visited Peter in the cell, Lord, you are visiting our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Oh, Lord, we believe in this, and we know we're going to hear a testimony, and we'll be grateful to give you all the blessing and all the praise. May your name be praised, and may your name be glorified. In Jesus' name have we prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Now worship him a moment. Would you just give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. If you believe in what you prayed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may uh, be seated for the reading of the word this morning. Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 19. We're going to read down to verse 21. And the Bible says these words. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. Second Chronicles 7.14 is a very, very famous passage of scripture, and that is, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. And then, of course, Job 2.28, which I didn't have them to put up, which was this, and we know that in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and upon my handmaids and upon my servants, I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. This morning, I'm going to be preaching to you on some repetitious kind of things, but the Lord has just burdened my heart about what we are to be doing in this very hour. It's no secret in what we believe around here when it comes to what we call a divine awakening, which will cause restoration within our land. And God knows that we need restoration within America. God knows we need restoration within the church of America. We have stated over and over, and we've been very repetitious about it, how that we believe that one of the greatest outpourings of God's spirit is about to be released upon planet Earth. How many really believe that? Do you really believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that that's going to happen. It's not if it's going to be poured out, it's when it's going to be poured out. There's no if about it. There's no doubt. There's no unbelief on my part that this event is going to take place. We believe that it has not only been prophesied by the prophets of today, but we also believe, and it's most important, that it was prophesied by the prophets of old. A matter of fact, we believe that the Word of God itself confirms the doctrine, the belief, and the event of what we call the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of the last days. We believe that there was a former rain. We believe that there is 
also a latter rain. We believe that there is going to be a latter rain uh, poured out for the harvest uh, of the church. There are two kinds of prophecies in the word of God, and we have said this before, but there's what I call, this is my own definition, provisionary prophecies. This is when someone prophesies, but there is conditions that have to be met before that prophecy can actually come to pass. If you do this, God says, then I will do this, that, or the other. If we meet the conditions, then the outcome is prophesied and it's in concrete. And the only thing that can keep the provisionary prophecies from coming to pass is you and I not meeting those requirements. And so much of the time we say we believe in things and we say we embrace these things, but we're really not seeing any evidence of it. So are we really believing it or are we not meeting the actual the actual provisionary, provisionary things that need to be done? You and I got a responsibility in this thing. How many knows that? If we do certain things, God will do certain things. Can I have an amen? There are provisionary prophecies that's prophesied and we're sitting around waiting for them to happen. But if we never meet the conditions, they'll never happen on our behalf. And then there's what I call stationary prophecies. That's my own definition. But these are prophecies that's going to happen and stand no matter what we do or what we don't do. They remain true and active, always in motion, moving to be fulfilled, and they cannot be stopped. They are set in stone and they will not be moved, eradicated, erased, or abolished. And without them being performed, they are not going to be removed, but they are abolished without them actually being performed and coming to pass. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do to stop it. It doesn't matter what men try to do to stop it. They're going to happen no matter what happens. Can I have it? They're stationary. That has been spoken. It is going to be done. However, what makes the last day outpouring so interesting and, and special is that there is both provisionary prophecies and also stationary prophecies in the context of the outpouring of the last days. The one scripture that I read to you in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 is provisionary. If my people, did you hear the, hear the word if? There's a condition to it. If my people, which are called by my name, they got to humble themselves, they got to pray, they got to seek my face, they got to turn from their wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. If God's going to heal our land, then there's some things we got to do. Humble, pray, seek, and seek the face of God, and we got to turn from every bit of wickedness in our lives. And then if we do and meet those provisionary promises, God promises to heal the land of America. How many believes that God's big enough to heal our land? How many believes that God can have a divine reversal, that God can turn things around? God, do you believe God's going to be able to do this? Not only do I believe God is able to do it, I believe that he's already in the process of doing it because I am seeing the church of America. I'm beginning to see a little bit of ray and hope. The church, there's beginning to be a little bit of movement. There's a stirring in the mulberry trees and God's about to do something on behalf of the church. He's already doing something in the church, but now he's about to do something through the church. Can I have an amen? But then there's a, the part that is stationary is it's going to happen no matter if we are prepared or not. There will be a remnant that will be prepared and that it will happen to. In Job chapter 2 verse 28 says, In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men see visions, your old men dream dreams and so on. When you begin to look at that, folks, that's going to happen no matter if you and I are prepared or not. That is in concrete. There is no provisionary in that. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in the last days. Now, whether or not the provisionary part of it is, is that if we do our part, then we can be the remnant or the people that it'll be poured out upon. But if it doesn't, if we
we don't do our part, God's still going to have a remnant in the last days. There's still going to be a people that's going to be ready, and there is going to be a people that it's going to happen to. I choose that in 2021 for us to prepare ourselves for the coming glory of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I believe that we are the candidates, that we are the church, the remnant that God is going to use. Are you ready to be used for the glory of God? Because God's going to do it on our behalf. Let's look at the provisionary aspect of our prophecy first in our text. Notice the commands of our text. He says, repent and be converted. And when we look at that, we're looking at it in the terms of salvation, and we should because that's in the context in which it's used in this scripture. But these are the two absolutely essentials for both personal or corporate restoration to take place. They represent two distinct but inseparable phases of what we call the penance process or the repentance process. You and I are going to have to come to understand that there are times in our lives where we don't just need one conversion or transformation, I should say, or just one time move of God that cleanses us. We need to take regular, regular cleansings from the Lord. Can I have an amen? Repentance means to be sorrowful for my behavior or my condition. Those of you that are believers, have you ever been sorrowful for your behavior or your condition even after that you were saved? Come on now. How many has sinned and come short of the glory of God since you were saved? How many has stumbled? How many has done things that they, they're embarrassed about or said things that they wish that they could take back? Every single one of us has. But it, be, it is our awareness that something in us and about our person, our thoughts, our attitudes, our feelings, our actions, our behavior, our beliefs, or something inside of us at times is inappropriate and we're, and we are, we're in regret that we have done those kinds of things before the Lord. And to be converted means I have chose to act on the basis of my new discovery about myself. You know, a lot of times we find out things about us that's ugly, and if we're not careful, we'll let condemnation override us to where we'll walk around in condemnation and guilt, and it produces doubt, produces fear and unbelief, and we'll go through the religious aspects trying to hang on and try to do all that we know to do to try to somehow earn our favor back into the presence of God. First of all, you cannot earn your favor back into the presence of God other than the way you've done it when you were saved. That's through the person of Jesus Christ asking him to forgive you and when you do I want you to know that he forgives you if you'll confess your sin he's faithful he's just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness how many believes that Amen? It's not about your works. It's not about what you got to offer God that counts. It's about how you accept what he's offered to you. Now, conversion is the idea of change or transformation or alteration. It is what, some, it is what sometimes is referred to as the middle voice or it's the conscience, it's the conviction, and it means to turn oneself. That's what conversion does. It turns you. It turns you around. Repentance means to turn from or to walk away from. It's an alteration in your life. This is the phrase so often used by the Old Testament prophets, that word turn. They used the word turn as they cried out to Israel to try to get them to turn from their sins so that the provisionary promises of God could be granted unto them. Do you know how many times, and we could go throughout the scripture and just hundreds of them, where God would look down and he wanted to do so much on the behalf of his people, but his people were stiff-necked and rebellious or cold or doubtful. There were all kinds of different kinds of things that plagued them to keep them from being able to receive the prophetic promises of God because they didn't meet the conditions. And as a result of it, God sat there and his prophets were saying, turn, turn. 
turn, turn from your wicked ways, turn from your sin, turn from that idea, turn from that belief, turn from that action, turn from that practice. And yet there would be times that they would not do it. And as a result of it, they never received what God had in store for them to receive. It was theirs for the taking. It was theirs for the asking. It was theirs for the receiving. And they live way beneath the privilege of being the people of God. And I refuse to us in this 21st century for us to come into this house and go through the religious mechanics week after week after week after week and go through the systematic ways of of church of the 21st century and miss the spirit of the living God and what he's trying to speak to us and lead us to do. But I declare as a pastor of the Palace of Praise for 2021 that the palace is going to rise up, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, fall on our faces, humble ourselves before God and get transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and you and I are going to receive everything that God has promised for us and we're going to operate and we're going to work in the divine anointing of God to the tearing down of strongholds and we're going to bring revival to our country. If you believe that, just stand to your feet and give him praise. Come on, give him a shout. So they used the word turn as they cried out to Israel. You know, these prophets did turn unto God, turn unto me, turn from your wicked ways, turn to me, turn from what you're doing. And they wouldn't do it. And as a result of it, they did not receive the provisionary prophecies or provisionary promises of those prophecies. So this teaches us awareness must be followed up by action. Just knowing alone and knowledge when itself is not good enough. When we talk about the end times and we say, oh, God's going to do this. I believe, I believe. Then why isn't it happening? Because if it's not put into action, then there is really no movement of faith moving toward that which God has said because if God has said it, it will happen. We really have to have some self-examination, even myself. You and I are going to have to get to the point that if we believe what we say we believe and if we believe God's going to do what he said he would do, when those things don't seem to be happening, then we need to go back to the closet and get into it and wrap ourselves in a prayer shawl and humble ourselves and break before the Lord and say, what is it that's hindering the process of the provisionary promises of Scripture to come to pass in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our home, in the midst of our church, and in the midst of your people? We have really got to do some soul searching. Change within itself. I hear people all the time say, well, I believe in God. I know I need to change. Well, I will someday. Well, let me tell you, that's not repentance. And that kind of an idea and that kind of thinking is not going to bring a glory of God. Us just sitting around talking about it and saying we believe it is not going to bring it to pass. There has to be a turning on our part and there has to be a turning to the, from the awareness of where we're at to the place that we need to be. We have to realize that repentance is a gift of God and when one feels or knows his or her need to repent, it's God visiting him and drawing him. It's the visitation of the Holy Spirit. Folks, you cannot even come to God unless the Holy Spirit's drawing you. It's a free gift of God. And so much time God will nudge us about things. We'll just ignore it and shove it off. I'll do that later. Oh, that's just a little thing. Oh, that really don't matter. And it's the little foxes that's pulling the vine and it's keeping the provisionary promises for coming to pass. 
It may be a little lying or a little cheating or a little stealing or a little coveting or a little hatred or a little unforgiveness or just little roots, a little bitty pieces of bitterness that we have. And we just walk around like we're just religious people and everything's okay. But if we're not flowing in the anointing and making a difference in signs and wonders and divers and miracles are not working with us in this end time to show forth the glory of God, then why? Why? We hear about it all the time. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be. Well, I'm here to tell you it's here right now. But if it's here right now and if it's not happening with us, then we got a personal accountability to find out why. Now, I mean, the Lord's really been getting heavily upon me. We cannot come into God unless the spirit of the Lord's dealing with us and he is dealing with us. Repentance, I'm going to be saying this over and over and over throughout the message, and you're going to get tired of hearing it, but I'm going to say it over and over. Repentance is the reality stage of our spiritual development. I want to tell you, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to learn the process of repentance on a regular basis. It's going to be something that you're going to do pretty regular. It's going to be something that you do throughout your lifetime. I want to say it again, that repentance is the reality stage of our spiritual development. If you're going to develop spiritually, there's going to be seasons of repentance in your life. Can I have an amen? It comes from us realizing who God is and who we are and who we could be and should be in him through this journey of life. And if, if we'll all be honest, when we compare ourselves to who God is and what he desires for us, there, there is need in, of alteration and change in all of our lives. If you begin to look at who God is and what God has said in his word about you and what he wants you to do, what he wants you to accomplish and who he wants you to be, we all come up short. Then what are we going to do about it? Are we going to turn? Are we going to allow God to alter our lives? Are we going to allow transformation? Or are we going to settle with the level of maturity that we've grown to and then just stop and never go to another phase or another realm or another dimension in our lives of faith? Where are we going to plateau at and stop? Some start out and they go about to here and they stop and they never go any farther. Some will go a little farther. Some will go a little farther. Some will go a little farther. And those that ain't even halfway there, we look at them as spiritual giants. And yet they ain't even halfway to where God wants them to be. And yet we look at them and, whoa, man, them are supernatural people. And yet God's saying, what I have for one, I have for all. And I want you to understand that when God begins to move in this church, you're going to see sons and daughters. You're going to see black and white. You're going to see rich and poor. That's a different message altogether. But there is going to be no uh, uh, age that's not going to matter. Uh, sex is not going to matter. Uh, gender's not going to Nothing's really going to matter because God wants to pour his spirit out on all flesh here today. Amen. Give the Lord praise because that means he's wanting to pour it out on you. You know, if we keep doing the same old things that we've always done, we're going to keep getting the same old results we've always had. And a lot of times we gripe about what's going on in our world and yet God says quit griping about it, change it. And everybody says, well, what can we do? If the church don't have the answer, then who does? And if the church don't have the answer, why don't we? Everybody's always asking, what, do we, what can we do about it? What we, well, we need to have an answer for that. Amen? If we keep doing the same old things, we're just going to keep getting the same old thing, uh, uh, results. They say as a whole that very few people like or endorse change, and they say it's especially true in statistics among religious folks more than anybody else. 
While the world changes rapidly, the church never seems to see the need or even the desire to want to change. The lack of turning is a sign of four or five things. It's a lack of yielding. It's a lack of submitting. It's a lack of adhering. It's a lack of, of relationship because you don't even know to do it. You don't have the desire to do it. There's nothing compelling you to do it. You're just kind of floating through life and you're not yielding. You're not submissive. It's showing where you're at in your relationship. It shows a lack of growth and it shows a lack of maturity and it shows a lack of obedience to the Lord of Jesus Christ over your life. It's a sign that we are out of touch, that we've lost our relevancy, that we've lost our cutting edge, we've lost our effectiveness, our anointing, we've lost our voice, and we lost our connection and sensitivity to the kingdom of God. Because the church should always be moving, evolving, and transforming into what God has designed for it to be. And before I get done with this message, I want to show you the design of God for the church. There's no such thing as instant perfection or maturity. It, it evolves and changes, and it's a constant transformation. You and I are constantly being changed. You and I are constantly being transformed by the power of God, if we're sensitive enough to be obedient to it. With the world becoming more worldly each and every day, it is necessary for the church to become more anointed, more spiritual, and holy to combat the forces that's accumulating against it. If the church is getting more wicked, then it demands that the church become more righteous. Amen? When we come to realize that we are not growing or achieving individually the way that we should, and we're about the same place we were five years ago, and when we're not making the progress as a Christian family or even as a church, and we're not developing the way that we should, then it's time for us to begin to hear the voice of the Spirit and turn ourselves like we did in our conversion the day that we were born again, and we need a refreshing and a denial of self and a dying out where we come down and we seek the presence of the Lord and we need a transformation to bathe us again by the presence of God. The Bible says over and over and over again in Scripture that Israel turned and cried unto the Lord. Time after time after time. Awareness of where we're at must be followed up by action. And we got to come to an awareness of where we're at. Folks, do we understand where our nation's at right now? This is serious. We just walk off and leave a people like we did in Afghanistan. And we leave our helicopters, our jets, our technology, so that the Taliban that is working with China can come over and get all of our secret information. Does that make sense? Is there a plot going on? I believe we're being sold out from the highest form than we've ever been. We better be prepared about what's fixing to happen to America. It's getting tight in here right now. I'm not trying to be political. I'm telling you where we're at. This is serious. What you and I could face in the next year or two could be horrendous. What our brothers and sisters are facing in Afghanistan, we could be facing the very same thing right here on the soils of the United States of America. God help us. So many have the concept of repentance. As well, I've done that when I was saved. I, you know, I repented. I'm on my way to heaven. Well, listen to what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. It says, but we all with an open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as the spirit of the Lord. The NASB version says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. 
When I first got saved, there was a transformation that took over my life. And in that transformation, I was made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I began to walk that out of my salvation with fear and trembling. And then after a time of growth and a time of maturity, if I'm not careful, I can settle. And the things that help me to grow and that help me to mature that would bring conviction and correction, I can light up on my devotion. I can light up on my Bible study. I can light up on my church attendance. I can stay away from good biblical teaching through Sunday schools and all of that and I can become a little bit cold or lukewarm and receive a spirit of apathy I'll stop growing and sometimes even go backwards and then I have to come into an awareness of where I'm at I have to ask God to forgive me and then I am transformed again to go from this place of glory to the next place of glory and that continues that cycle until the day that I die I am forever always being involved. I never come to the place that I am made in the perfection of God like God would be within himself. That will only happen when I am glorified through Christ Jesus as the resurrection of the dead. Can I have an amen? You and I have to be sensitive to the Lord and you and I have got to go from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory. Amen? When you look into our society and in today's culture, it doesn't take a genius to see that we're living among some of the darkest times in the history of our world worldwide, globally. Even the news headlines is calling it, hey, it's the last days. Our city, our land, our nation, our world is in deep darkness and in serious, serious trouble. It is filthy, it's polluted, violating every biblical standard of holiness and breaking all of the commandments of scripture. The world as a whole is hostile toward God. It is defiant toward the, anything that is holy. There's a push around the world to eradicate God out of culture and to destroy and to dist and distort and abolish anything that represent him or even bears his image. That God, The devil hates God so much that the enemy is trying to literally eradicate anything that bears his image away from the earth. Anything that looks like him, anything that has an appearance of him, anything that even has a hint of God in it, they're trying to eradicate it. Even to the erasing of gender. Because Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so God made him male and female, created he them, and then God put the order of man over the house. And because of that, now the enemy hates, hates God's image of male and female, the creation of it, to the point that he's, they're trying to annihilate gender. There are schools right now that are passing laws to where the teacher cannot use the word she or he, him or her. I guess we'll call everybody an it. I don't know what we're going to call them. Come on, somebody. This is serious. They're abolishing marriage and the great covenant of one man and a woman. Come on. And then life in itself. The devil hates God so much that he's trying to abolish life. He's out to kill, to steal, and destroy. Just here in the United States alone, we had a university doing experiments on a baby that was born. And it, after it was born, they called it a fetus because they didn't want to call it a baby because the mother didn't really want the baby. So it's no longer a baby. Even after its birth, it was called a fetus. And this university was harvesting its organs while it had a beating heart. That's butchering. That's barbaric. This is the land that you and I live in right now. 
Justice is falling in the streets. There's no sense of right and wrong anymore because they're abolishing law and truth. We not only have our own government wanting to defund the police, we even have congressmen and women that are actually praising cop killers and sending money to their organizations and their movements. Can you believe that? What used to be spiritual war of individual nations has now escalated and become more intense and has become a global world issue. It's no longer just a few nations that has adapted such agenda, but it's accelerating and becoming a global movement. It's nothing more than what we would call the rise in the scripture of the spirit of Antichrist. It was the Apostle John that said in 1 John 2 and 18, little children, it is the last time as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. The aggressive rise of the Antichrist spirit, according to the Apostle John, is one of the prophetic indicators that we're living in the last days. And we're seeing the rise of the spirit of Antichrist at levels we have never seen before. It is a sign that we're entering into the midnight hour of the dispensation of grace, which is known as the church age. And the church age is about to come to a collapse. It's come to a closing because the church is about to be ruptured out of the world. We're about to be gone. And so if we believe this to be true, and it is, and we can back it up with scripture, I can do that. We don't have the time this morning. But this is the time for us to look for and seek after and desire and hunger and thirst for the latter-day outpouring promise within scripture like never before. If you and I say that we're living in the last days, then what's keeping us from just literally begging, pleading, uh, breaking, being broke, falling at our faces before an altar and saying, then why have I not received the promise of the outpouring of the second refreshing from the presence of God that's supposed to come to the earth? The question is not when it shall come because it's already prophesied that it would come. It's going to come upon God's people. Are we not God's people? Then we're candidates to have what God said. Time will not permit to tell you of all the different revivals that's going on across the lands. They're not being, they're not even being put on television. They're not being put on, and when they try to put them on Facebook and share them, they cut them off. They can't even put it on Twitter. Twitter cuts them off. Can you imagine that? Someone wanted to brag about a move of God and they cut them off. This is where we're at in America. They don't want any sign, any visible sign of the glory of God and the hope of Scripture coming to pass. They're fighting against it. They're opposing it. But I got good news. They're going to lose. They are losing and they don't know it. Can I have an amen? When the, spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God's going to raise up a state. You think that they're tying the hands of God with Twitter and Facebook? <laughs> Woo! Lord have mercy. Even though there's a rise of darkness upon the land and evil is rampant and there's a rise of the Antichrist spirit, there's also an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's happening upon the church around the globe. It's happening right now as I speak. The fastest growing church in the world, you know where it's at? It's in the underground church of Iran. Iran, there are thousands upon thousands of believers becoming saved in Jesus Christ. Visions, dreams, and manifestations of Jesus Christ are appearing across the Muslim nations across the world and people by the thousands, Muslims are being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. 
We have heard this week thousands upon thousands of our Christian brothers and sisters have been left in Afghanistan and yet they will not denounce Jesus Christ when the Taliban comes up and asks them of their faith. The men are being beheaded right in front of their families. They take a knife and cut their heads off right in front of their children and their wife. And then they rape the children and their wives and torment them. And these Christians are being tormented over there. And yet among the darkest of the dark, there is a sound church standing strong due to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God inside of those men and those women who will not renounce their faith, but they're being true and loyal to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We in America have been sheltered, and as a result, we become complacent, lazy, satisfied, fat. We've settled in our comforts. We're at our ease, but the Holy Spirit is stirring our nest, and things are changing rapidly. Things are shifting, and it ain't just us as Christians feeling this in our land. I want you to know even our whole country, our whole nation has begun to fear and tremble, and even analysts are saying, oh my goodness, what in the world is happening? They haven't been paying attention, and all of a sudden they wake up and they think, wow, how did we get here? Come on. Uh, come on. What we don't understand is the very signs of the end time are the forerunners of the spiritual outpouring that God promised. Let's look just at a small portion of the prophecies concerning the last day that you've heard many, many times preached here. Matthew 24, 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many is going to wax cold. 1 Timothy 4 and 1, in the latter times some should depart from the faith. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the man of perdition. Notice that in every single one of these verses, and there are others, it prophesies that in the last days that many are going to deny, denounce, and walk away from the faith. Here we have Joel prophesying an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how it's going to come upon all flesh and those people that it comes upon, they're going to prophesy, they're going to dream dreams, they're going to do supernatural works. And yet on the other side of the coin, it is saying that there's also going to be a rise of apostasy and it's going to come upon the church and the church as a whole, there's going to be a great falling away from the church. So what is that indicating? Sinners are going to be saved by the thousands and believers are going to be lost by the thousands. Don't make sense. That there are people that are losing their faith right now as I speak, even in this church. Notice that in every single one of them, in these verses, it prophesies that there's going to be people denied, denounced, walk away, come cold, come indifference in their faith. As a matter of fact, it'll be such a magnitude that the question is even asked by Jesus in Luke 18 and 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he even find faith upon the earth? That's how bad it's going to get. And while we have our Afghanistan brothers and sisters dying for their faith and becoming martyrs for Jesus Christ, we in America are having people abandon their faith and becoming cold and indifferent to the Christian responsibilities and their obedience to the Scripture. A new study that just come out said that 45% of those that quarantined themselves over COVID last year have not and will not return back to church. 45%. Now watch this. They have not tithed. They have not been faithful. They've not assembled themselves together. They have abandoned the ministry of the kingdom of God. After a reasonable time of quarantine, I am not saying you should not quarantine if you're sick. If you're sick with the COVID, stay home. We don't want you here. Stay until you're quarantined and come back home. Come on, let's use some common sense here. We're not against being quarantined. We preach it. If you're sick and you got the symptoms, don't come and spread it. 
Amen. Is that all right? Don't put words in my mouth. That's what I believe about. Everybody asks, what do you believe about the vaccine? This is what I believe about the vaccine. If you want it, get it. If you don't, don't. It's that simple. We don't have to be divided over any issue. They say the church in America has lost 45% of its population just over one plague alone. The very thing that is causing the church to walk away from the church, quarantine themselves and never come back is the very thing that's causing sinners to flood the church by the hundreds. The sinner's got more faith in God than the Christian does. I run into members all the time. We used to run 700 regularly. We haven't been running that since the quarantine, and I run into some. I ain't seen you. Well, we're just laying low. Oh, you are? Okay. Over the quarantine, yeah, we're, I, I'm not fighting that. That's okay. We watch online. I run into them again three months later, and then again three months later, then again three months later, then again two weeks later, and then again all of a sudden, well, how long are you going to quarantine? Is the, and then one of the things I want to ask them is, is the COVID only at church? I've seen you at the ball game. I've seen you at the post office. I've seen you at the grocery store. I've seen you at the ball games. We've done a little study I did just myself just talking to the individual people of where they got the COVID. And most of the people that got the COVID never even got it here. They got it somewhere else. We only come here one day a week or two days a week at the most. But you go to work every single day, but all of a sudden, the church is the hot spot. Stay away from the church. And as a result of it, they say America with just one plague, one opposition by the enemy, 45% of its population is gone. One writer said, if one plague alone can cause 45% of the church in America to disappear, what in the world's going to happen when the end time really gets accelerated and all these things begin to come up on the earth that's prophesied? Then what's going to happen? 2 Timothy 3 and 1 says, know this also in the last day, perilous times, hard, I mean dangerous, hideous, dark, difficult times are coming. It was the Apostle Paul that said in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some should depart from the faith. There it is again, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. 2 Timothy 3, 13, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse and worse. He's telling you it's going to get worse. Don't look for something to get better. He said in Matthew 24, 24, for there shall rise false Christ, great signs and wonders, and so much that if possible, even the very elect, the church would be deceived. Listen to what 2 Peter 1 and 2 says. But there was false prophets among the people then, even as there are will be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and brought, bring upon themselves a sudden destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of the truth shall be evil spoken of. In other words, the Bible says that one of the last day events is going to take place is that truth will, that, that the truth will be evil spoken of. Right now, we have a media and news broadcast that says this in America, headlines, that Christians is just as bad as the Taliban. They're painting us as ruthless people because we don't cave in to their wokeness theory. Come on. They're brainwashing America, and an American society is buying into it, and the American people 
especially the younger generation that's coming up in these big cities are becoming anti-God, anti-Christian, and they're becoming hostile toward the believer. There's more hostility, resentment, and hatred toward the Christian church in America than in all of its history. We used to be respected. We used to have a voice. Everybody ran to the church for help, and when tragedy would come, they'd be calling for repentance. They'd be calling for prayer. Nowadays, we have all of the tragedies that can be, and, the, and it's, all about, it's all about equality. We haven't even seen or experienced a fraction of what is to come, and while we have people in foreign countries dying for their faith, we have a people abandon their post of responsibility, their faith, their loyalties of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We don't only have people that are quitting over hurt feelings or unmet expectations and financial problems, marital problems, relational problems, loss of jobs, boredom, the death of a loved one, life hardships, cares of life, temptations. Folks, we have people's life rocked and their faith challenged over everyday issues of life that everyone faces. Everyone has faced financial problems. And we have people falling out from the faith because they got a financial problem. Everybody's faith, relational strains. Everybody faces job problems on the job. Everybody faces marital problems. Me and Jenny's had our problems. And if you say you and your wife ain't, you're a liar, and the truth remaineth not in you. Amen. You're growing together. All of us have been tempted. All of us has lost a loved one. I've lost loved ones. I lost a brother. I've lost a, 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 my, my, one of my older brothers. I've got a dead brother. I've got a, a dead grandma, grandpa, dad. Come on, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends. Jensen Franklin put it out this the other day. He said, Afghanistan and church says, we will gather today, today, talking just the other day. This is a true statement. He said the church got together and said, we're going to gather, to, we're going to gather together tomorrow, I mean, and likely we will die. That's what they said. Tomorrow you and I are going to go to church and we're going to gather and likely we're going to die. The American church, he says, says, we will gather together tomorrow unless there's a cookout, a birthday party, ball game, or if there's a chance of rain or if I'm a, a little tired, we probably won't come. And we, want, and we think the Holy Ghost is going to pour out on that? We really believe God's going to pour out on that? We believe we can come in here and say, we believe, we believe and believe in three weeks gone and you ain't been in the house of God and hit the doors and you say God's going to bless that? Oh, I think I'll just stop right there and go home. We're, we are deceiving ourselves. We're one of just a pie in the sky mentality. We believe it. God's going to make it happen. We'll just sit and wait for it. When's it going to happen, God? Why ain't it happen, God? Come on. If these things hinder us or rock our world, how do we expect the church to survive when all these last day hell events begin to take place right in front of our eyes? When things begin to really get heated and accelerate and they take you before kings and they lie on you and take you before judges, they're already doing that to Christians. We have FBI's going into a Christian home here the other day and pointing a a gun at an 11-year-old child. Come on, I ain't getting into that. Why is it that we can believe lies and be damned? We can believe in all of the rampant of evil that's taking place, but we can't really believe and embrace and operate in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's promised by God. 
Why is it that we can accept a bad report and let fear and torment grip our hearts and believe in evil that says you're bound, you're no good, you're ignorant, you're stupid, you're, you're, a, you're a loser, you're forsaken, and we walk around in all this doubt and unbelief and we go out and wonder what's happening in our country and we're just falling apart. But why can't we believe the good report and see the outpouring of the Spirit as prophesied as well as the, out, the, the, the rise of evil prophesied? Why can't we embrace the good report that says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? We are God's favor. We are free. We are healed. We are anointed. We are empowered that you and I have a victorious life that we're more than conquerors. Amen? We have to stand that in the midst of such confusion, God promised something very special. He causes restoration. I don't even have a. T I don't even have a fraction of this thing preached. I want. I want to go real, th real fast through something. I got to get away from my notes, or I won't get through it. When you begin to look in the Old Testament, you begin to see that man was crowned with glory and honor according to the book of Psalms and according to the book of Hebrews chapter eleven. It talks about how the man was crowned with glory and honor, and and that uh, God had made him for the works of his own hands. Adam was crowned with glory. He was crowned with honor. God wanted him to walk around with the glory of God, the favor of God upon him. Adam sinned with his wife by eating the forbidden fruit. One little bite of a piece of fruit took the apple away. What are we partaking of? One little bite of God saying, don't do that, and they done it, and it took the one bite of a piece of fruit. Took the glory of God away, the crown of glory off of Adam. And then God no longer to dwell in Adam and with Adam. So he had to somehow establish his glory in, a, in, a, in structures and places and, and in, in, in uh, buildings and things of that nature so that at least his glory would be among men and with men. First thing that happens, Moses comes around and God tells Moses to build him a tabernacle. It's made to be like a tent. It was a tent. It was called the tent of meetings. So Moses instructs the tent of meetings the way that God tells him to. And there's one thing about this tent of meeting that you got to understand that it, it was to be a visible place where man could look and see the visible, tangible presence of God there so he would know where to find God. That was the meeting place. That was where the glory was at. That's where they found help in their time of need. That's where they ran to. That's what they followed that's what they embraced. That's what they, that's what they believed in to protect them was the glory of God. Come on. They made that tent, but God made him make it to where it was mobile. It has never been God's desire not to, to, to have his glory only in a certain place or a certain structure. God's glory is not going to fill this building. God's glory was to be mobile. I got scripture after scripture after scripture that proves that God's desire was that the whole earth would be filled with his glory and there are stationary prophetic promises that there's coming a day that the glory of God is gonna be upon the land as there is water upon the sea. That in the end time, the glory of God is gonna come upon all the earth and upon all people, all nations, tribe, and tongue. It is prophetically in stone. It is going to happen. It is happening right before our eyes. But God wanted this tent to be mobile. The church is to be a mobile church. 
It is not to be behind the four walls. The second thing God done was then move it from a tent later on to Solomon's temple. Now, man, there's a lot of preaching I was going to do on just Moses alone. I might ought to just pick up this next week. Maybe I will. Why don't we just stand? It's 12 o'clock. Let's just stand. I'll finish this next week. I got too much to preach. And I don't, I don't want to just throw away a lot of this stuff. The heart of your pastor here today is this. God has promised the outpouring of the Holy Spirit through prophetic promises. It's going to happen no matter what we do or what we don't do, but what will determine whether or not it happens upon us will be if we meet the provisionary requirements for it to happen to us. It's that simple. If we don't get it, there'll be somebody that will, and then we'll be jealous. We'll be sparked to jealousy. Why are they having revival? Why are they having outpour? Why in the world? You know, Kent Christmas has got some prophetic promises out there that said there's going to be all kinds of big and small churches around the world that's going to close up because they're not willing to have revival. They're not willing to have the glory, and God's going to take what they got away from them, and they're going to go and be added to somebody that will be able to have the glory that God wants them to have. We did not come here and sacrifice 35 years of ministry for us to have a good run and at the end kick back and build up barns and say, I'll take my ease. No, sir, we're here for the long haul and we're here to declare that the glory of God is coming to the palace of praise and we're going to be all that God has called us to be and we're going to be a movement that's going to be reckoned with and we can and we will change our world. Now, I'm going to get into the responsibility of what that means next week. It ain't so easy. I want you to examine your life here today. Say, how much am I really devoted, committed to Christ? How much, have I, how much passion do I really have? How much am I really able to stand against these evil days and not let it affect me? to where I become cold and indifferent and fearful and in bondage walking around and come on, depressed and full of anxiety and beat down and can't, can't even rejoice in the spirit, can't worship, can't even come in and get involved in the service because you're captivated by something that happened to you or through you or by, come on church. There's victory in Jesus Christ. It's not a time for weakness. In your weakness, he can be made strong if you allow him to be. And I'm here to tell you today that we need to move a God like never before. This COVID thing is real. It's a real plague. And the people that's just wanting to kind of be in la-la land say it ain't real. You know, don't even listen to them kind of people. This thing's real. It is real. You're to use wisdom. You didn't know to do the all you know to do. And then when you've done all you know to do, stand. 
What happens when a different kind of a plague comes? What happens when then something else comes? And then they begin to package it through the media and through brainwashing. I want to tell you something, folks. Your media right now is nothing more than a tool of brainwashing going on in America that is coming against the church of Jesus Christ in rapid form. According to the media, you're a bunch of idiots that's causing the world to be what it is today. You're a bunch of conservative right-wingers who have become stupid and you're uncompassionate and you're ignorant and you, you, you know, you, man, they just, they're, just, they're just beating us up everywhere we turn. And we're the ones that's promoting love and peace and gentleness and, and praying for your enemies. And we're doing all of that. And yet the very people that they are is the people they're claiming that we are. Uh, we're in trouble. Your nation's in trouble. Serious trouble. Analyst after analyst after analyst is finally coming out and saying, if we continue the path that we're on right now, if just a few more years happens and this, this trend of money spending and debtness continue to rise at the level that's arose just in the last few years, there is no return. Zero return. America's money's going to collapse. A world system will have to be set up because the American money will not be the money that is no more the one backing everything. Come on. The Antichrist is here. He's alive and well today. His spirit of the Antichrist is rampant. He's not been revealed yet because the rapture's not gone and we're the only hindrance that he has from being revealed. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, we better be ready. Why don't you pray right where you're at? You don't have to come to the altar. Can we wail? Can we cry? Can we see God? Our nation, we got to help. We got to help. Help us, O oh Father.